Hello, I'm your host Felician, and today with me is Andrzej Zinkiewicz, the co-founder of FullFunnel.io, an ABM consulting agency where they help B2B tech brands implement full funnel marketing. In this episode, you will learn how the buying cycles in enterprises look like, why sales and marketing have to be aligned to grow business, and how you can align those two worlds. Andrzej, welcome to the show. I'm very happy to have you here. Yeah, happy to chat with you. So let's dive in. Yeah, we have a pretty interesting topic. So please tell me, what should every B2B leader know about the buying cycles in enterprises? How is it different from selling to smaller businesses? Yeah, so the first thing that you need to understand is the complexity of enterprise sales. You, when you are selling to SMBs, let's say to, you mentioned small companies, right? Even selling to small businesses comparing to mid-sized businesses is already different. So when you sell to small companies, in most cases, you are dealing directly with the decision maker. So you can reach out and this person wears multiple, you know, hats doing the research, making the decision, etc. So when you're selling to mid-size, sometimes you might be dealing with two people, right? Uh, let's say traditionally, if you're selling to tech companies and you are selling tech product, you might be dealing with CEO and CTO, right? Or maybe with like uh, somebody who is dependent on what department you are targeting, somebody who is uh, leading that department, like CMO, CRO, etc. doesn't matter. So... The difference comes when you start selling to enterprises. And the truth is that inside enterprise companies like Coca-Cola, for example, or Procter & Gamble, you have multiple departments. First of all, you have different branches. Then you have different departments. And every single department should be considered as a small unit, right? For you, every single department should be treated as one new account. Why? Because of the complexity. So inside you might have like a diversified hierarchy of people who are like wearing different roles. And then let's say, let's pretend you want to sell to marketing team at Coca-Cola. Then you have brand managers, you have CMO, you have VP of marketing, you have product marketers, etc., etc., head of trade marketing, merchandising, etc. So you can, when you dive deeply, you see that it's like really diversified company inside company, right? And you can't reach out just to VP of marketing because this person usually in most cases that just does the managerial role is not involved heavily into execution right so in most cases even if your product let's pretend your product might be helpful and valuable for coca-cola for this company right the decision maker either will ignore your message if they have no clue who are you right what your product does etc they simply are not aware of your brand or let's say if there was some connection engagement earlier, they usually send it to other people inside the department, inside their unit. So you'll be dealing with so-called champions, influencers, and blockers, right? So this is the typical buying committee structure. You just need to accept the fact that there are four standard roles. And champions, these are the people who will be in charge of initial research, right? They usually, if they have, they are usually in charge of finding new solutions, 
talking to vendors, getting the offers, uh, presenting them, combining, you know, all the offers and just providing the takeaways and sharing it with the decision maker. At the same time, we have influencers, right? So even in this big marketing team, let's say you sell to brand managers, but then you have trade marketers, as I mentioned, right? You have creative department, you have brand department, etc. So these people, they might tell, I don't know, like, let's say you are selling like marketing software to these departments, right? So even like if Champion is fond of your solution, is very excited to print you to the organization and VP of marketing also thinks that that might be a good solution, right? They present it to other people and they might have different opinion about your product, right? They might not feel that it's just the right feed for their needs. They might ignore the product, right? Or don't simply not seeing the value. Or maybe because of uh, that's also the reality of enterprise world. Some people don't want to take new responsibilities. And basically, there is a learning curve when you implement new software. So this is like additional work, right? Lots of people are not willing to do. And then you have blockers and that could be IT department simply that might say, okay, so I'm not, I don't feel this like a secure software or they don't have like secure integrations with our ERP or with our like uh, cloud platform, whatever it is, right? And this is the reality. So you are dealing with multiple people on on, on the surface. Everybody thinks, okay, so we are selling to the marketing team. I need to reach out to VP of marketing the same way like they do when it comes to targeting and prospecting small businesses and in enterprise right you have much more people who influence the solution and in most cases b2b companies have no clue why they won or why they lost the deal and this is the huge problem and the biggest difference between selling to smbs perfect answer and so long that I think you give, gave all the details that are necessary to understand how it's different. But I want to ask you a bit more about blockers, because how can you identify them? Because in some cases, it can be, let's say, the legal department that has to go through all the documentation and yeah, check everything. And in some cases, as you said, it can be the IT department. I know that sometimes there are those cases where people say, we don't need such a solution. We can build something like that ourselves because we have the people. And yeah, how can you identify those blockers and how do you how do you get rid of them, so to say? Or how do you convince them that your solution is good? So the first thing uh, is just to accept the fact that you won't be able to get rid of them. They are just they are just here, and all you need to do is just to prepare yourself. Like you mentioned, how can you persuade or convince these people that, or let's say, to give a green light to try your product? Right, that's the first thing. Uh, you won't be able to eliminate the buying committee, whatever you wanted or no. So that's that's the number one fact. Now, how can you identify blockers, the specific roles? Uh, first of all, there are like, let's say two intertwined things. You need to build a really good, close or tight relationship with the champions. And that's why your targeting and prospecting process should start from champions. Why? Because nobody likes when you jump over the head. 
right? So if you mm -hmm. go to VP of marketing and then VP of marketing sends your product and or introduces yourself saying, hey, so I chatted with Andre, they reached out. People basically feel that you, I mean, it's not just literally happens, but subconsciously quite often people always think okay so this guy wanted to eliminate us or ignore us right and when to to vp of marketing he didn't care right to warm up uh us our department our unit and just wanted to sell the product right so this is like psychologically people maybe it might be different if you have a popular print and we'll talk about this right you're a well-known company and they might be excited and just because of ego that's another story how to sell to enterprises right so hey so i'm uh, i'm power user of salesforce or whatever like for abm department i purchased the six cents software paying 50k per year so it's just satisfying own ego saying i'm i'm really good marketer Coming back to my initial point, you need to start building relationship with these people. In most cases, you're not selling the most famous, the most popular print, right? Yeah. So when you have this relationship, even doesn't matter if you won or lost deal, you need to run customer interviews. When you win the deal, customer interviews help you to identify why did they select your product, with whom they compare it, who was involved in evaluation process what questions were asked right how they let's say cover these questions at what stage specifically these people joined you know the buying process etc the same when the deal is lost if you have really good relationships so your champion can provide you this insight saying hey so at one point CTO you know joined the convoy and told us that I mean they can build it the way how probably they saw your product that it's really easy to to create so they can they can do it you know with their department so when you have this insight and the only one way to get this insights is talking to customers if you can make assumptions you can make hypotheses but quite often they have nothing with the reality so you need to talk to people once you realize this then again the second the second step is basically asking can you please share with me some insights okay i understand that the deal is lost right so when the deal is won at least you know the questions and arguments and you can for future you can prepare beforehand the necessary collateral could be like i don't know case studies migration process integrations security uh like security confirmation or certificates, whatever it is, yeah. it depends, right? How you are going to tailor these arguments to different uh, buying committee roles. Yeah. When the deal is lost, then you can ask, you know what? Can you please share with me two insights? The first one is basically from your point of view. What do you think might could happen to me if we like if well? had an opportunity again with your company what could help to persuade you know cto or it mm -hmm. department to to work together and you hear the insights from the champion and the second question is because still you purchase the software right uh you're not living on an empty island right that is <laughs> where nobody buys nothing so you still purchase software you still purchase services right 
So how do other companies persuade your IT departments? What do they, can, can you give me the insights? You don't, I don't need, you know, the name of the recent software you have purchased, yeah. but I'm just really curious what persuaded the IT team to give it a green light. These are the fantastic insights that you must gain and based on this create I hate the word sales enablement, it's just about the buyer enablement program, right? Because mm-hmm. when you have these arguments, when you have these documents, then people can check it on their own and they say, okay, so security checked, right? Integrations checked, whatever. This yeah, is they have just... everything on the plate, basically. Yes, exactly. So that's that's the point. So this is the way how you can do it. Who should run those customer interviews? Should it always be marketing or, or can sales also do it or customer success or someone else? Well, honestly, honestly, it really depends on the company structure, right? If you have, if you already have client success team, then I highly recommend client success team to do this and then share the insights with marketing and sales. But then these teams should be integrated, right? I don't believe in a silhouette like teams, marketing, sales, client success. For me, this one revenue team that focuses on different areas of the entire buying process. So that's the point. If marketers and not if, I highly, I always highly recommend marketers to join time to time client success calls and sales calls as well to listen, to hear, to understand the challenges, the struggles, basically to understand buyers better, to understand the hurdles your sales team faces, right? And thinking about, okay, so this this was the objection or this concern was raised during the conversations. How, how can I help my sales team to overcome this objection in future? Right? What should we change in our marketing, right? Why, for example, a customer or not customer prospect says, I came from, I don't know, Google search and I saw your landing page, but then it wasn't clear. Is it a sales problem? Obviously, no. This is an insight for marketing to improve the the, the landing page copy, right? Yeah. So that's why I always suggest marketing to join, but who will run it really depends, you know, on, on the company yeah. organization. Like- not really important who, the most important is sharing the insights from these conversations with both marketing and sales teams. This answer perfectly comes to the next point because yeah, we wanted to also to talk about the alignment between sales and marketing because yeah, there are lots of companies in the world and lots of teams that don't work closely together. Like often it's the case that marketing does their stuff, they focus on SEO, they write some generic articles and at the same time, sales is focused on prospecting, outbound emails, and yeah, nobody has a huge chance of success. They don't get the right clients. How can we align those two words? So should they only be in one team and be considered as the revenue operations team? Or is there a different way? So I will give you a perfect example from football. Have you ever asked why... Paris Saint-Germain never won a Champions League despite of investing, I don't know, like probably in the last few years around 1 billion into transfers purchasing all the world stars like Messi, Neymar, right? And the point is that these people, they don't feel, they don't play like a team. This uh, this is the team of individuals who do their own stuff on the, on the pitch, right? And the same 
happens to business when marketing and sales is sealed. Imagine, imagine like you tell defenders, okay, guys, so your goal is just to get the ball, tackle the ball, and then, you know, throw it somewhere. For forwards, your goal, to, your goal is just to score the goal, right? And then the midfielders, okay, so your goal is time to time help defenders and time to time help forwards, you know, and basically help them to score the goal. And there is no coordination between how these people should coordinate, which is used to be called a tactic in football, right? How are you going to play against specific team, right? How are you going to pass us? What are the combinations? What are, let's say, the substitutes you can make during the game, etc. So the best teams, you can look. There are so many examples in the world that, you know, teams with like much smaller budget than like Paris Saint-Germain or Manchester City or Bayern play really good. And quite often we see these teams in Portugal, in even Borussia Dortmund in Germany, like perfect example, right? Teams like Salzburg. So this, these are fantastic examples because they play like a team. The same is here, right? So the team, that's why I'm saying I don't believe that there are, there are separate functions, marketing, sales, and client success. They should be aligned about the same goals. They should have a clear process of generating, or first of all, creating awareness, generating demand, capturing this demand. Next, leads, handover process. Or more precisely, uh, it's just the common marketing slang leads handover process, but it's more about prospect handover or engaged mm -hmm. accounts handover. So sales pick up the companies that are already aware of you, of your product, and they're engaging with your demand gen activities, right? That's the key point. And then what we all together can do to generate a sales opportunity with this company and then if we'll touch even client success right what we can do together to get the insights and how can we expand the deal with this company to grow lifetime value so client success can bring insights about the strategy about the product usage etc which sales together and with marketing can use to expand the the, the business with this existing company right and then what does it mean to be aligned? What, what does marketing and sales alignment mean? It means that we have the same goals, we have the same objectives, everybody knows how are we going to create awareness, what actually we are going to do, how we are going to generate the demand, right? What sources of intent data will be using to identify the engagement engaged accounts and what does it mean to call a company to be an engaged account right so what should what kind of activity what kind of engagement do they need to show to be treated as an engaged account next how are we going to connect with the buying committee of this company and create awareness inside the account because we discussed about, we chatted about the buying committee, right? Mm -hmm. To make sure that more people are aware about us. How can we warm up these people? And then how, what, what should be our approach to, which I call account research, what should be our approach to collect the insights about the potential needs and goals? So instead of selling our templatized pitch, we come up with like a practical solution, right? So telling you, hey, Felisa, so 
I saw that you guys are working on this and that, and I came up with practical ideas how to, you know, refine your process, achieve your goals, solve specific challenges, and then I provide you a real clear offer, right? It's not just the pitch, hey, so we sell companies like yours, and then you put, you know, your elevator elevator pitch. So... This, these are the main points, right? And uh, just to simplify it, the alignment should be on the goals, on the objectives, and on the playbooks you are going to use all together. So you avoid conversations uh, about leads quality, etc. Obviously, it requires also alignment on account qualification, on ICP, including account qualification, right? List of criteria that tells us, okay, this account is a good fit, this company is a bad fit. So, and then everybody focus on its own functions. Marketing focuses on awareness, demand generation, and demand capture, and sales focuses as well on demand capturing and activation. And if you have client success, then you focus on basically client success and together with other teams on expansion. Yeah, I love the analogy that you used. It's it's perfectly shows that it's a team sport and you have to know where to play because when you were selling to the transport and logistics industry before and now you want to tap into the energy sector, it can be pretty difficult and you have yeah, a much bigger chance to go into tra- other transport and logistics companies. Because you have those case studies, you know them much better. Your sales team knows how to sell to them and you have already content built around it. So when you approach them, it's much easier and you don't have to start from scratch. But you have to have that clear goal and you have to know who's your ICP, reach those people and yeah, basically convince them that you're the one that knows how to solve their problems. Yeah, is there something like a framework to align those two teams because yeah setting up the icp and setting up the goals is one thing but i believe a big part is also communication it's not even the framework like uh like you said so it's just a communication about these things right Uh, and it this communication includes the uh the review of the things like I mentioned, goals, objectives, ICP, account qualification, disqualification criteria, review the entire full funnel program, right? From awareness until the end and mapping out the resources. So I do this. This is the engagement threshold. At this point, I sent you this account or assign this account if it's let's say in germany i assign it to german sdr and then these are the steps you are going to do to connect with the buying committee and i'm as marketer i'm going to run this warm-up campaigns to make sure that now these specific people inside the buying committee will be aware of of us right so that's that's what i mean by warming up these people so this of course this is the communication at the same time it also requires the regular meetings uh for pipeline review and processes review right so you all like every week let's say we 
sit down and review the CRM, we review the stale leads, the existing accounts, right? And discuss practically what we can do to accelerate the deal or expand the deal, etc. And if something doesn't work, and I highly recommend it to not even not even in the case if something doesn't work, uh, generally speaking, at least one time per quarter to sit down and again review all the programs that you are doing and planning the next quarter programs yeah and can you give an example of a warm-up campaign that you've seen success with because some people may not know what those warm-up campaigns are are those basically linkedin ads that are targeted or what is it so the warm-up campaign is again it's just not not one let's say one tactic that's that's why it's called campaign right it includes multiple activities by itself so we can break down warm-up campaign into into four categories and then you can combine the different tactics from these four categories so category number one is uh, the content collaboration so you can do multiple ways you can uh, connect with the buying committee members and ask them for the quote let's say for for your blog post or basically featuring them in the blog post if you run the podcast you can invite them to become guests on your podcast if you are hosting virtual or offline events you can invite somebody from their team to give a talk right and even give a keynote so that's a fantastic opportunity to connect with people get acquainted personally i believe just just to mention i believe that these warm-up campaigns make sense only to tier one and tier two accounts companies with the highest or the medium revenue potential it makes no sense to do it for let's say for the companies with the smallest revenue potential and honestly i don't believe that abm stands for one too many it's just it's just a lazy excuse for not doing appropriate uh demand generation program so uh, the first category is the, uh, as I mentioned, so these different content collaborations, right? The second one is event collaboration, and it could be like private one-to-one workshops to a specific department, right? Depending also on the goal of the campaign. If you are doing the expansion, it could be like a private offline event where you invite the champion from the unit that you had a success case study, and then this person, you know, shares own experience, the results, and you present how another unit or how another branch let's say another country can use your product with like specific like very detailed proposal right uh could be again joint webinars or joint events so these sort of things next one you can definitely use but not use alone you can use uh paid channels you can use ads and target these people with um uh could be retargeting ads in multiple formats so content and then retargeting with use cases case studies could be conversational ads for example on linkedin right but i don't uh, why i'm saying you can't leverage paid alone because the you know the truth most people especially in the enterprise world they don't hang out on the channels which we use to you know to prospect to target them with ads 
the truth is the reality is that most of the day they sit down in Microsoft Teams or in their in-house ERP that we can't cover with our display ads. They sit in Microsoft Teams, right? They sit in the email or Outlook, etc. They might be listening to Spotify and we are not able to reach out through these channels. So as an amplification, absolutely yes, but as a standalone warm-up tactic, it will always fail. So these sort of things, and finally, the social engagement. It's all about commenting the posts, and sometimes people say, hey, but you know, what if they are not sharing content? The reality is that the majority will won't post anything. So, but quite often they engage with their peers, with their colleagues, right? And then you can join the conversation, the thread, you can start, you know, chatting in the comments and then connect, move the conversation from comments to private messages. You can tag time to time them in your posts or maybe not tag if you are publishing and thought leadership, one of the most successful or not successful, but one of the key pillars for successful thought leadership for successful demand programs, right? So you can share some content with them. You can this is basically the perfect way to build visibility, right? At least to attract attention. So, and uh, your goal when it comes to warm up, so basically, I believe now it becomes clear, right? Your goal is to define what specific tactics from these four categories, as I mentioned. So, content collaboration, events. In, uh, or content engagement, event engagement, social engagement, and paid ads, right? What tactics from these four categories are appropriate for this specific ICP and for this specific campaign goal to warm up targeted people, targeted buyers? That's a great explanation. Thank you for that. And the thing that you mentioned about you know, those decision makers not posting anything, one thing that I notice is that they often like posts from their own company. Yes. And usually <laughs> those posts don't have a lot of engagement. So even if you leave a comment there, you will be probably the only one that's visible. And yeah, people from that company will see those posts. So Absolutely correct. Yeah. So Andre, one last question. What would you say is the biggest takeaway from this conversation? I would say... If, if you want to summarize everything, don't think that you can sell to enterprises like you sell to B2C companies or to small startups. And don't think that you can sell to enterprises the way you sell Netflix subscription or the pair of shoes. Understand that you have four roles in the buying committee right? And these people have their own needs, their own goals, their reasons to block and not to buy your software. And they don't care about your elevator pitch. They care only about how you can help to basically grow their career, achieve their own goals, maybe solve their own challenges, not the organizational ones, right? So once you understand it, and then once you understand that this process is not linear and that you need to do the full funnel activities, right, you'll see the success. If you'll simplify the process like most B2B companies do and think that it's just enough to run ads and do the called outreach to the decision makers, don't be surprised that your pipeline and revenue are not growing. Yeah. 
You can try it when you are selling e-commerce products, but not in uh, complex sales cycles. Absolutely correct. Who is a B2B leader? That should be my next guest. So for when it comes, let's say, to B2B marketing leadership, so if it's more about the management, I definitely recommend Kyle Lacey, who worked for Seismic for a long time, and he did a really good job. And before Seismic, lessonly. So he could be really good job. Or also you can talk if you want to hear the perspective of leading ABM teams, then definitely Karina Owens from Gong. Awesome. Thank you for that. And please tell the audience, where can they find you and what can they learn more from you? It's just pretty easy. You type our print name, fullfunnel.io, and you arrive to the right place. So type Andrei Zinkevich, you'll find on LinkedIn only one bold guy with that full name. <laughs> like, If you want to learn about ABM, make sure to follow Andrei, because yeah, he basically shows you what you have to do to lend such deals. And he does it every day. So, yeah, it's stupid not to follow him. <laughs> so, Thank you. Andrei. Thank you for being a guest on the show. Thanks again for inviting me. Happy to chat with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be a B2B Leader. If you liked this episode, make sure to leave a review in your favorite podcast app. Also, if there is something you would like to learn, let me know.